0: Welcome to the St. Thomas More Lynchburg's Homily Podcast. We join Monsignor Michael McCarron as he brings his insight and application to the readings for the first Sunday of Lent. With great joy to have you all with us, I should probably uh, ask before we go too much further, uh, Colin and all of our uh, catechumens, how was the bishop? Was it good? Did you like it? Did you get to meet him? Oh, excellent. Did he sign your book? Oh, thank God. (laughs) We have our ticket signed. We're ready to go. You know, in Lent, we often uh, kind of focus on the notion of repentance of sin, and it's right to do that. Today's gospel is from the beginning of the gospel of St. Mark, and he's a little bit quicker than the other two synoptic gospels uh, in regard to, uh, and the synoptic gospel, by the way, the Synoptic Gospels are Matthew, Mark, and Luke, unless we don't know that. And it comes from a Greek word, sino, or synops, to see with one eye. The Gospels are very similar. They draw from similar sources, and they draw as they articulate and write down the Gospel uh, from a kind of a common oral tradition, adding things that might have been forgotten and making them a little bit bigger. The Synoptic Gospels. Mark uh, is a, a Gospel written... From the standpoint of Saint Peter, he's actually uh, Peter's son, and of course, and he's writing the gospel from peter's remembrance and his remembrance, of course you would imagine uh, of the um, uh, temptation of our Lord is fairly limited, so his story about that is limited. what's not limited is that the first words out of our Lord's mouth after he has conquered temptation at least for a time, after he has done that is to announce to everyone the need to repeto, to call back uh, their sin. And so I would offer that if we follow the line of the gospel, a sin is actually, and the repentance of sin is actually second in the, the way we do things, and that I would suggest that it's probably better for us in the season of Lent to go a little bit uh, kind of further, and that is to start repenting temptation. That is, temptation is that inkling, that, um, that urge to do things differently than the way of the gospel. You know, so we get some place in our lives to some decision, some relationship, to some whatever, and we, we hear the gospel calling, we know the gospel's calling then, and we make a decision to choose otherwise. To choose a different kind of story, a different kind of norm, and of course, uh, to give in to temptation uh, at that point is is kind of minor, it seems. But then, where it leads is not where it takes you is something far more tangled and far more um, far more disastrous. So, to repent temptation, to be willing to start and to say. You know, my my endeavor is to simply not make those choices I know I shouldn't make. Not make those choices that, in fact, lead me to a place that the Lord who loves me more than anyone loves me, tells me, are going to harm me. At the last two masses, I'm not going to talk too much about it today, but good to have the masses united in the Word. The last two masses, I talked about the choice in... uh, Our society, some years ago in my life, many remember it, when there were blue laws and the choice to get rid of them, blue laws being the laws that forbade things being open on Sunday, it created an enormously powerful societal structure where no matter what you did during the week, at least one day during the week you had to stop. One day of the week there was... not even by your choice sometimes, no place to go. Everything was closed. Banks were closed. Malls were closed. Stores were closed. Occasionally, you'd find a 24-hour pharmacy that might be open. Restaurants might be open, but that's about it. And so you did during the rest of the week everything you needed to do because on Sunday, you couldn't go buy that sugar. You forgot. You couldn't do your shopping. And it created in life... A place of rest. Of course, it is supposed to do that. I, the, I am the Lord your God. You will not have strange gods before me. Remember not to take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Keep holy the Sabbath. They're the first three commandments. And they're not the first three suggestions, they're the first three commandments. And I remember it with the communities at the last two masses that you were known as Christians afterwards by whether or not you filled in the day where you kept it clear. It wasn't an easy thing to do, but it was a choice because the temptation not to do that is what? What we have today. For example, I'm going to suggest that one of the best Lenten observances for the next six Sundays of Lent, I'm going to suggest that we keep Sundays free that for the next six Sundays, just for Lent, we as a Catholic community agree that we just, we're just not going to do anything. It's one of the easiest Lenten observances. not what you do. You just don't do anything. You stay with your family. You ask your children to stay home. You stop all other endeavors. If they're enjoyable, the idea is you can still go. But if they're work, not even the church has a law against servile work on Sundays and holy days. And so, you fact, you you give yourself over to realizing that that day is a day for the family, for the Lord, for the quietude. Even our Lord apparently says you can do good for six days out of the week, but even do-gooders need a day off. They need some time that's free. We have the gift of making that choice because not to is to give in to the temptation to place our needs first place our endeavors first, and a little bit more, in fact, to make us the arbiters of our life, but we're not. And so, at the last few Masses, I mentioned that that was an important thing for us to do, and I hope we would still do it. At this Mass, because of the presence of our many candidates and catechumens, I would offer a second thing. To be willing to take on those public roles, to be the group that sits down on Sunday and rejoices in the presence of each other on Sunday, to be the group that doesn't eat meat on Friday, to be the group that kind of stands out is a way of putting on a kind of particular garb that identifies us. We cease to be private Catholics, we become public Catholics. By how we act, by how people perceive us. And I assure you, in this town, everybody's looking. The power of God's grace is how we act in response to difficulty and even to violence or to assault to give God the kind of response that the gospel asks for to be peacemakers and not violence continuers. What's well, a striking garment to wear, isn't it? You know, during the service that we're about to do to welcome you into the order of the elect, as you see from our catechumens in front, we are going to present you with a distinct garment. And even amongst those garments, there are distinctions. If you are a Catholic who's been away from the church or has not received the other sacraments, your garment will be, red, uh, will be brown because it's a sign that you are not coming into full communion. You're completing an initiation already begun. But if you've been baptized in another community and you're coming into full communion to receive the other sacraments of the church, if you have come to assent to what the Catholic Church teaches about those sacraments and and faith, you will be in that royal purple. Regardless, you stand out. You'll be asked to wear that every time you come here. You'll be asked to stand out even amongst us to remind us that we too are on a journey that we ourselves have a baptismal garment that we are supposed to be wearing, that we are supposed to be living in a way where we resist temptation as did our Lord so that we can proclaim to the rest of the world that the kingdom of God is at hand. So that's how we do it, isn't it? It's not hard in our society to find places to do it. I was reading in something on the internet where we were talking about, they were talking about the poor police uh, firefighter that was killed in Loudoun County, a horrible disaster, with explosion of, of a home. We got trapped there. May God rest him and console his family and the 11 other people who were hurt there. And at the end of it, they said, we, will, we ask everyone to keep them in our thoughts, in our thoughts. What the heck does that mean? That you think about them? Well, I am thinking about them. I'm reading the article. It used to be thoughts and prayers. Note the temptation. No. We keep them in our prayers because we want to stand in society as understanding that thoughts don't do a darn thing. Prayers make a difference. And we're the people who believe that and know that. I've noticed more and more and more. In fact, I think it's the... The uh, appropriate uh, thing to do if you're reading the laws of writing in English in in, in publishers' uh, lex- lexicon, that whenever the name for God or the pronoun for God comes, you don't capitalize it. Have you ever tried to capitalize uh, God on on your uh, uh, Apple computer? See what comes up. G I D. It's it's the uh, it's the uh, um, a Jewish synonym for God, because you can't write God. But then try to put in God. You have to work. Try to capitalize God. You have to work. You see, they're slowly sucking out of our society those things that honor our ethic and our understanding. So the only person who can stop it is us. Today, we enlist you We enlist you in those people who publicly make a stand against the temptation to create a society in which God is not a part. Today we enlist you to place upon yourselves the robes that in fact testify to the glorious power of God's grace in the everyday, in the time you spend at home on Sunday, in the fact that you don't shop, in the way you pray for those you don't even know that your whole person becomes conformed by grace to the way of the Lord. Now, I know we have lots to do, so I'm going to call us, call me to a close. But what we do today is very, very important. And as important as it is to them, it's equally important to us that every year when Our brothers and sisters come towards us and say, we have found something in the way you celebrate that makes us want to change our lives, to become different, to begin a new journey in a new way. Every time we see that, we should really ask whether or not we're going to do it too. Whether we will, in fact, not just applaud them, but join with them to be a part of that what which it takes to transform our world. This day, our prayers will be with you. So will our thoughts about the future you face and that your children face. A future that, in fact, will invite you to say no when sometimes it's far easier to say yes to temptation. A belief that what you do and why you do it makes all of the difference in the world to our Lord who called you, to we who send you, and to the church that welcomes you. May Jesus be praised forever. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to the St. Thomas More Lynchburg's Homily Podcast. For the daily reading and to learn more about the community of St. Thomas More, please visit our website at www.stmva.org. If you were blessed by our podcast today, please give it a like, a kind review, and share it with a friend. God bless.